great big vision this morning of a ruler, one who would come, and what that ruler's kingdom will be like. Just as a, a way to help frame this for you, we believe God's ruler is Jesus. As we look through the first part of the passage I just read, we're going to see some of the characteristics of Jesus and how he will judge. And then we're going to look uh, into what is certainly a future time, and we're going to see some of the characteristics of his physical kingdom on earth. So a little bit of roadmap for you as we get going this morning. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. You might wonder what the image is all about, a stump of Jesse. If you think of a, a tree stump, you don't necessarily think that it's going to grow right back up. You, you say, hey, there's some, there's some damage there, um, or a root don't get a whole lot of inspiring uh, images. I don't know where you're looking for peace this Advent. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, who in here would say uh, uh, that you're competitive? All right. A number of you like to win. Uh, we have a game at our house, and it has absolutely, whoever wins, it has nothing to do with how well you play the game. It's just how you, you roll. The, we don't gamble, but we roll these dice. Don't start any rumors, all right, about the pastor gambling at home. Uh, we have this little thing, and you roll the dice, and if it has a cookie jar, you put your cookie in the thing, and you lose it. And then if you have a right or a left, you pass it to people. And at the end of the whole thing, uh, whoever is the last one with any, any cookies left wins. And so, like, I'm so competitive, I just want to win, right? Even though I have no ability <laughs> to control the outcome, I just want to win. That's not going to bring me any peace, all right, this victory isn't going to bring me any peace. And likewise, in a, game, a silly game like that, uh, hopefully losing uh, shouldn't bring anybody uh, any discord <laughs> or any difficulty. This is just a fun game. It's just something. But those images uh, are not what, we see, uh, not what we see here. We're going to run some contrast uh, in this. This is a, a, a weakened source. This is a weakened state, the stump that is left of Jesse. And you might even wonder, why is Jesse's name uh, in here. Well, God had described to Jesse's son, we know him as King David in the Old Testament, that his house was destined to be great and destined to have the throne of Judah, the throne of Israel forever and ever. This is a prophecy that I, uh, Isaiah, that here in Isaiah, it comes a few hundred years uh, after the prophecy that Nathan gave to King David in 2 Samuel. I want you to see this. So this is even a few hundred years before what Isaiah writes, okay? Uh, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I'll raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father. He shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it, from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And so here is Nathan giving a prophet to King David 
that long after he would live and reign, the throne of that house would be established as something forever. Now, you might wonder, just a few hundred years later, then, why is it so decimated? Why is there just a stump that is left? Well, the short story is David's line didn't quite do so well managing the throne, and God, as he has a right to do, brought punishment and exile upon his people. The exile of the northern kingdom is fresh uh, and right in view here in Isaiah and his time, and the the exile of the southern kingdom wouldn't be uh, far away. So it's a weakened source. It's not a place of strength. You, You might say, how in the world does that sound like peace? Don't you need strength and confidence and might to to threaten people in order to get them to submit and bring about peace? No, Advent shows us that peace is found when God is working in unexpected places and unexpected sources. God doesn't need the tallest tree. He needs promise. He needs something with the possibility of some life, and he can fill it beyond our wildest imagination. He's working from a weakened source. God's ruler would come from that weakened source, Jesse's line, the stump, and we would see a specific person, a ruler who is empowered by God. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. In that half a sentence, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see the fullness of all God is. His ruler is Jesus, him. We see Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit, the Lord. We see God the Father. This ruler from a weakened source is directly empowered by God. The contrast Uh, Of this righteous branch, I I have that as my heading, maybe you do as well, right before chapter 11, is that at the very end of chapter 10, we see uh, a laying waste, uh, uh, 33, the end of 10, behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. Verse 34, he will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. We see a raising of the enemy, and even from a stump, even from a weakened source, we see one who would be the opposite of the end of chapter 10 and would be completely empowered by God. Do you know anybody else like this? The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord? History doesn't know anyone like this. God gives Isaiah this prophecy to point forward to the ruler that would come. His name is Jesus. When we trust God's ruler, we trust in someone who does things and operates in ways that human beings are not able to rule and operate. We would never expect of human rulers what we would expect of God's ruler, Jesus. And we should never expect of Jesus what limited humans might do. Now, at the time that Jesus came in the New Testament, 
Uh, and throughout his life and ministry and even after his ministry, there is uh, a way that we see people expecting a physical military conquering of Israel. They want that ruler to come right then and there. And most believe this passage points us beyond that and points us forward. But in these characteristics that we see in the first handful of verses of chapter 11, we see how to connect with God's ruler. We don't have to wait until the time he comes again. We see his characteristics right here. And so just as Advent is peace in God doing the unexpected, uh, in, in seeing this ruler empowered by God, we see that, that that's where we find peace. Not in a, a man or a human or a specific uh, country or government. We see peace in this God-empowered ruler who will rule and reign in ways no human is able to do so. Now, you might ask, why do I say that? Well, let's take a look at, at the rest of how this ruler, uh, Jesus, is is described. It's not the typical usage of power. Verse 3, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. What? If I have a dispute that I want you to decide... I want you to see the evidence and I want you to listen so I can persuade you how right I am. <laughs> That's what I want to be able to do. This is how people solve disputes. We had a time in youth ministry once where we took a bunch of kids on an overnight and uh, wouldn't you know it, in an uh, experience, we were in a, in a hotel, I had different rooms, and some money came up missing. Wouldn't you know it? All right, this is exactly what I want to deal with on this youth outing, right? We got money that's come up missing. And what did we do? We investigated. We started talking to some of the teens to figure out if they did it or, hey, were you close to, to that room or wherever it was and what was going on and all this stuff. We even, we even gave them all a chance by like a certain time to just return the money. No harm, no foul. If you took it, just give it back. You know, we're praying for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come on whoever let, took the money and just to, to bring it back and give it back. Well, it didn't work. It didn't happen. And so we're, we're spending all this time listening and trying to see and trying to figure out what happened. And in these sort of situations, you just end up kind of making a decision. This is the way we got to go. This is what we got to do. Uh, maybe this type of thing happens in your house all the time. What, what happened to the last donut? All right, and then you're trying to figure out, like, what happened to that? And it's Christmas, like, hey, you have all these Christmas trees. Well, who took the last one? And then you're trying to figure everything out. Maybe a little less lighthearted. Maybe in your, your working years, you can relate because you've had to figure out different conflicts, and you've had to listen, and you've had to see, and you've had to try to figure things out. This ruler doesn't operate that way. He's got a wisdom and a delight in the Lord. He's completely empowered by God and wouldn't rest on his own human intuition. I want you to see this is not a typical usage of power. Verses 4 and 5. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness, the belt of his loins. Now, you might listen to this and say, hey, is it possible or is it um, within our scope of believing that earthly governments or rulers would punish their enemies or punish the wicked? Yes. 
at times that happens. But let me ask you, do they do it with the rod of their mouth and the breath of their lips? This is a ruler who truly has abilities that are above the natural realm. He has abilities that are of God and from God and fill him in a way that he is able to rule and mete out justice in ways we cannot relate to. Now, you may say, this seems all so futuristic. This is Isaiah 700 years before Jesus, and this seems even well beyond Jesus' life and years. Well, let me challenge you today, this Advent, to connect to Jesus to find peace in his perfect character and his perfect ability to judge. This is, friends, the good news of who Jesus is. We all deserve judgment. We all are in sin, born into it. It owns us. And we may try really hard to break free from the grip and the power of sin. We may try to appear that we're better than somebody else, or we may try to do good things. Or maybe sin just totally is wrecking our lives and we feel hopeless, or we're addicted, or we're afflicted, and we don't feel like we can relate to God in any way. Well, I, I'm here with good news. This ruler who, who rules and reigns in, in ways that no human can rule and reign will deal with each one of us in a way that is completely fair and right. He has a righteousness. He has a relationship with God that is completely pure. And he invites us into that. This is the challenge of Advent. Ultimately, will we have peace in being confident that Jesus is the one who is able to completely judge us? Now, the good news is that we don't have to bear that punishment. Jesus came to this earth and he suffered and he died for us. He stood and took the punishment in the place that you and I so rightly deserved. That would be just. But he relates to us in a way that steps in and says, I will take that punishment for you. He substitutes his body in our place, his life, so that we can turn from our sin and put our faith in him. We don't find peace without turning and putting our faith in Jesus. We don't find peace in trying to impress anybody. We find peace in trusting Jesus to be the one to deal with the matters of our souls. And so this Advent, let this challenge you prophetically, not in a feel-good hallmark kind of a way, but that Jesus will relate to you and judge you fairly and personally. Hey, I'll even give you a head start on your New Year's resolution. Maybe the New Year's resolution is I'm not going to worry so much about other people judging me and I will trust Jesus more to do that. When we look to Jesus to judge us and sift out the sin that we need forgiven and need power and victory in our lives, that's where we grow. We don't grow by trying to figure out how somebody does or doesn't approve of what we're doing and relating to them, we, we grow by relating to God and trying to obey him and do what he wants. Not your typical ruler. Not your typical usage of power. That's Jesus. 
I want you to find peace in him, peace in God's ruler. I want you to find peace in this prophecy of God's kingdom. The Israelites, all throughout these types of prophecies that the prophets brought, would have begun to burn with hope. Remember, this is a stump of Jesse that, that Isaiah is, is describing. They have not done well. Their society has not flourished. Over the course of a few hundred years, generally what has happened is it's gone downhill and ends up completely decimated where those that are left are, are transported off to Babylon. That's where it ends up. So they're not thinking, hey, we're operating from a position of strength. This prophecy begins to point forward. This is why they would have wanted a ruling king to come. This is why their hearts were beating when, when Jesus arrived. They thought maybe he was this conquering king that was going to free Israel from the rule of the Roman government. Well, let's look at the specifics of this prophecy and see how it can minister to our hearts even today. This is clearly a future time. I want to do just a little bit of teaching here. Uh, this is a, a moment and a place in prophecy that calls for it. Uh, we believe in a real, a future time when the prophetic program that God has for this earth that we inhabit, uh, it completes with a 1,000-year rule of his son Jesus physically on this earth. Now, contrary to what you might think most of the time, I'm not making this up, <laughs> all right? You can turn to Revelation 20. If you want to explore why we believe there's a thousand-year rule in the future, uh, go ahead and just jot down Revelation 20. You can turn back to your Bible another time, and you can check that out. That's where that prophecy comes from. I want you to see that, that thousand years. And I want to show you um, a couple of scriptures specifically from the book of Acts. I feel like every Advent, we get into peace, and we get into some of the themes of the return of Jesus, and we're hoping for his return, just like those uh, Israelites hoped for his birth the first time. And I feel like every time we get into these themes, I end up in Acts chapter 1. Well, because it's so good, and it's so clear, and it shows us exactly what's going to happen. So here's Acts 1, 6. This kind of captures the mood of the day. This is after Jesus had lived and suffered and died and, and risen from the dead. And here he is, they said, uh, right before he's about to ascend into heaven, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They wanted that mighty ruler to come and to bail them out. Is that what you're going to do right now? Well, he, he responds by saying, no, the Holy Spirit is going to empower you, uh, disciples, and those who come after you to be witnesses and to spread the message that I have taught you all over the earth. That's basically what he tells them. And then in verse 11, after he rises into heaven, they're kind of standing there like all of us would be if some guy uh, that had risen from the dead just sort of rises into the clouds. We'd be standing there looking up too, wondering what's going on. Here's what they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. He'll come back down to this earth in the same way we saw him go up. There will be a time when he will come back down to this earth. Now, keep that straight from a future time when this earth will be destroyed and a new heaven and a new earth will take its place. That's Revelation 22. Some of you are going to be in the last few chapters of Revelation this afternoon looking for hope. And you're going to find great hope 
All right, so a thousand years, Jesus ruling on this earth, and then this earth is destroyed, and a new heaven and new earth take its place. This is a type of prophecy that shows us the type of peace in this clearly future time. I am not necessarily an animal lover, all right? But this is intriguing. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. It's crazy stuff to think through. Clearly a future time where things are are going on. That, that we really cannot wrap our minds around now. So Advent is peace, knowing that God can fulfill promises of future events where he is in control. Uh, think about the Israelites hearing this prophecy. What basis would they have to believe that there would be a future ruler and a future kingdom? Well, they could look back in their history and they could see, well, God promised us he would bring our people out of Egypt He foretold that event through Abraham hundreds of years before it ever happened. And then he told generations of Israelites it was going to happen. And then it happened. So they can look back and they can know that God is good on his word. And so all of us, because we know we can look back and know that God is good on his word, we can look forward and know that God's going to be good on his word. That's prophecy. That's hope. That's peace. This is where the themes of Advent should stir and challenge our hearts. So it's okay if your mind drifts a little bit to this future kingdom today. It can encourage us. It can remind us that this isn't all there is. It's clearly a future time, and it's clearly what no present kingdom can bring. All these animals getting along. I went on a walk with my friend over Thanksgiving and uh, he's got this dog and every time this dog came upon another dog while we're walking it it just wanted to go see it wanted to go interrupt and interact and all this stuff all this craziness maybe you've been like that your dog maybe your dog's like that or you have an animal just loves to go I'm just man this is chaos this is crazy we're just trying to go for a walk and this dog is all over the place well this is a time when these animals are just completely getting along and not just dog to dog I mean we're talking about animals that would normally be at each other, a circle of life, you know. Let's take it a little bit farther here in the verses 8 and 9. And I'm glad that I'm a little bit constricted on time because otherwise I'd end up in some crazy gutter uh, on this. I really would. Uh, My heart is stirred by by these verses. And uh, our, our format here and our structure will keep me in bounds. But just listen to this. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. And we found out in the back, uh, in verse 6, that a little child would be in the middle of those animals. I'm going to tell you that one of the things that is so hard for me in this sin-stained world is when children get hurt or are lost. And there are, there are many that are in this room or uh, that are viewing today Uh, from home that have very difficult experiences. And I just can't, 
I can't escape the fact that God goes out of his way to encourage us that in the millennial kingdom, in the most peaceful time in the future, on this physical planet Earth that we will ever know, that children are completely safe. That is a super ruler that can do things that no human government can, can guarantee. I'm just going to stray just for a little bit here. I want you to challenge yourself. Okay, this is, I think, one of the reasons why there's been so much fuss over the police this year. Okay, take this partly... Deep down, we want a 100% safe experience, don't we? We want to live like nothing bad can happen to us. And, and when, when police do their job, and so many great and faithful officers that there are, they're out there, but they can't guarantee 100% safety. The, the most ubiquitous police force in the world couldn't guarantee that something bad isn't going to happen to somebody. Which is why we get so mad at the officers that are terrible because it's their job to be, be protecting people and then they don't or they actually harm people. All these imperfections dominate our news cycles and dominate our existence because we can't be guaranteed 100% safety. But, but in this future kingdom, when perfect ruler empowered by God, Jesus, is on the throne in the millennial kingdom, there is safety and there is peace that you and I will never know. Unless we get to join it <laughs> before we die. Or until we do join it after we've died and are a part of it. Oh, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. And we don't have to wait. Here's the thing. We have to wait for that kind of earthly governmental peace but I don't want you to cheat yourself out of peace this Advent. There is peace to be found putting our hope and our trust in this righteous ruler who will deal fairly and equitably with our souls. There is great love of God to deal fairly and equitably with us and to offer us good news and hope and peace through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to flip back here. I want to share in Colossians chapter 1. Verse 19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, this is Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Don't miss that we can experience peace by the cross of Jesus Christ this Advent. Don't miss that we can be encouraged by these prophecies and look forward. Don't miss that God is with us in the form of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can experience him, that he can heal us, that he can love us, and he can encourage us that one day he'll make good on his word. And just like the Israelites hoped for the Messiah to come, we wait for his return. And in the meantime, we relate to him through the loving and peaceful Jesus, that he is one ruler, one way, one path to forever. This Advent, let me encourage you to find peace in Jesus.